singer to singer. Sophie Bancroft in conversation with jazz vocalist Fiona Duncan. Episode 6, London Life and Louis Armstrong. Club in London for yeah seven years. And did you have nights off? N- no, we didn't. We had a, yeah, we had a Sunday night off. Eventually, we were we worked Monday to Saturday, and we'd Sunday night off. But then we used to go and do a gig and a jazz gig and you know a right. pub gig on the Sunday night. But I also took the trio. I used to go and do Pipistrellas. Uh, I'd do a couple of sports maybe. Half past one in the morning, right. and you know, I took the trio with me, yeah. and just because the money was out, was getting good money, so I yeah. just split it four ways, yeah. and said, you know, and they were always glad. They they were all married and had kids, yeah. and, and were you living nearby? Highgate, happy Highgate. I used to get a taxi home, quite a long way, but you know, I got a taxi home. Then when I moved to Russell Square, it was dead easy. Because Russell Square was just, you know, up the up the road, but you still had to get a taxi because it was uh, tubes weren't running, yeah. and they wouldn't take me unless I was the last one, because the girls still had deals going with them, you know, they get great bungs and right. great tips. I always gave them a good tip, but not like the girls, you know. Yeah. But they were, I, you know, knew all the taxi drivers and yeah. knew all the the girls. I mean, they used to invite me out to their house. Yeah. And I was thinking, one of them got, oh, she was, she was in, oh, the people, next door neighbour at Port and Cable handed in this, these newspapers to my mum one day. And it was in the people newspaper, the Sunday something. And uh, there was this huge scandal about this madam in... Uh, West End, no, the West End somewhere, uh, that was running this international call girl trade. And it turned out it was Cherry, the head girl. Oh. She was great. <laughs> she was great. And the other one, Eileen, she used to be with the black and white minstrels. She used to be a dancer. And her husband didn't know she was on the game. <laughs> and she'd been on the game for years. And he didn't know. I've got a right to feel low down. I've got a right to hang around. Down along the river. 
after a year, they started talking to me. Yeah. And because every time if I walked in there to go for a pee or anything, yeah. or to sort my makeup, there'd be silence. They'd all mm, stop been talking. Horrible. And it was. And then, then you know, Cherry, the head girl, she liked jazz, and she, you know, used to send up requests for mm. all these songs, and I'd go and learn them. And she loved jazz. And she'd say, send that cow up a bottle. <laughs> send that cow up a bottle of Dom Perignon. So I'd get a bottle of Dom Perignon, and the guys would all go, oh, and they'd all want a drink. And then they'd get a bottle of whiskey, and I wouldn't touch it. And I'd think, oh, well, I'm not giving you any of mine if you're not giving, <laughs> if I'm not having any of yours. Fair enough. But they were great. You know, the girls were great. They gave me, when I went away to the States, and I'd put in a dip, and I put in this... Wee Lassie, who was a singer-dancer, Subret, uh, you know, she called herself. And she was. She used to be on television. Jan, can't remember, Jan somebody. An awful nice girl. A bit of a, a musical comedy, you know, but she was lovely. And I put her in for, I went over for three months. I gigs. And I put her in and uh, they gave me this beautiful silk negligee mm. out of Fortnum and Mason's and a gold Dunhill lighter, which I still have, mm. and uh, a going away bottle of champagne, you know. And that was just for me going on my trip. Aww. But they were that was Cherry and Eileen. What kind of accommodation did you stay in then? Do you have a flat? Or I, was, you have a room I had a flat or? in at first in Highgate. I'd ended up... I started off in one room in Jimmy McGregor's house in London, and then I graduated up to the next floor, which was a bigger room with a kitchen joined. The other one just had a wee stove in it, you know. The, the room upstairs had a kitchen joined, and then I graduated to the top floor, which was two rooms and bathroom and kitchen. And I was there until I moved to Russell Square, it was lovely. It was between uh, Paddington Station and Russell Square. And just, you know, that's two, three stops on the tube to Piccadilly, where I was working, except they don't run very late at night. Mm. But, um, and it was uh, a smashing street. It was called Sandwich Street mm. that this flat was on, and it had... Wee cafes all the way down and nice wee shops and interesting craft shops and things. So it was a lovely area. Baby will be calling me. It must be love, say what you choose. you do during the day before you get Oh, I, you know, I just used to do, I used to do the Telegraph crossword every morning. I used to get up and go down to, there was a shop in, down below in the block of flats. I'd go down, it had, you know, an open veranda all the way down and there was a roof garden. So if it was sunny, I was up sunbathing on the roof. And if or, I used to meet Forry most days. Uh, Ava never knew this. I was living with the trombone player, but Forty just kept phoning me and saying, come and make me for a coffee, and I couldn't say no because I felt sorry for him. 
So I used to meet him as well, you know. Oh, fuck, chair. <laughs> Talk about double life. <laughs> Mata Hari didn't have a look in. <laughs> and Ava never knew that I saw for him nearly every day. <laughs> Just for a coffee. Yeah. And what kind of clothes would you wear for the, these gigs at this place? Oh, it was all very... Very in, glamorous. Oh, yeah. You had to go in and give a twirl for the boss before... And right. if he didn't like what you had on, you got sent home to change it. Wow. You know? And you would presumably wear a different thing every yeah. night of the week. And, then, and if, if he and thought then, I'd worn something too often, right, okay. he would tell me he was not... Would they you give know. you money for, the, for your clothes? No, no, that was... No, I had to cover that myself. I found this shop. In at the top of Tottenham Court Road, it was just the beginning of Oxford Street, and along there there was this wee shop, and I used to go in there. I used to have some beautiful clothes, did all Jean Varons and you know a lot of model clothes, but I think they must have been seconds. Right. But I used to get this stuff, and I used to take it down to the club. I used to get suitcases and stuff dresses because all the girls dressed up like yeah. you know really dressed up and I used to take these down and sell them for them oh. so I had a wee business going on the yeah. side it just happened I didn't mean to do it but I was getting all these great clothes and people were saying where did you get that how much was that and it was you know a, a pittance yeah. compared to what the price yeah. of the thing was so that's how I I really, you know, I used that shop for years. Mm. All the sh all the stuff I had for publicity, I used to go and borrow it. I said, "Can I have this? Can I borrow these?" And I'd, I'd bring them back next day, you know, mm. and just give them some money for, yeah. you know, but like rental. Thing. Yeah, it was smashing. It was great. And you were you were talking yesterday about how it annoyed you that you would have to spend all the money on yeah. the and clothes. And it was always uh, the ladies' ladies' toilet. Yes. It was never, never. Bloody dressing rooms. Well, that's that you never could... changed, does it? No, I mean, <laughs> I know. I mean, I got so dab-handed getting undressed without anybody seeing a thing because yeah. I could all do it underneath my top. Always <laughs> wear something that I could, you know, and I could see guys looking and thinking, <laughs> "She's not much fun." <laughs> that was a really good seven years I had in there. Met lots of people. Ronnie Scott used to come in, um, Tubby Hayes used to come in, uh, oh, Georgie Fame used to come in, uh, Tom Jones came in, all these people used to come in and visit and mm. just, you know, you'd say, we've got a star in tonight, you know. But it was, it was really good, you know, really enjoyed it. And uh, we got to the end of the George, the end of the George and was really quite a shock, you know, because... Uh, they thought it would go on forever. Yes, everybody did. And what happened was one Saturday night, it, which was usually the quietest night of the week, uh, this we saw this. We thought I thought it was a football team coming into the club one after the other, but it wasn't. It was the police, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was a raid. And the club across the road had been raided. For I don't know, there must have been something going on there. I never saw anything that I would have thought would have put us in that category. But uh, anyway, um, they came in and they started talking to all the hostesses and talking to the 
men that were in there, not many men, he got all of the band and took us aside and said, uh, and what do you do here? And I said, well, I'm the singer and what else do you do and how much do you get? And I was getting a good wage. Mm-hmm. And I, when I said, I told them what I got and this policewoman said, you must be doing more than that for, you know. And I said, how dare you? <laughs> I was quite affronted. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they closed the club down. It was, it was, uh, there had been a reporter in during the week who had gone away back and I think it was from the people, Sunday people, and they did uh, a story on it and this was the police raid after the story. Anyway, um, we had to go to court and we were sitting there and it was really funny. These, it was a, you know, it was about six I don't know, they're not judges, but six of a panel that were taking the evidence, you know, and we had to stand up and say we closed at midnight. That was the one thing the club was famous for, Mm. the only nightclub that closes at midnight. Mm. And we closed on the button at midnight because there were residents staying above uh, the the club, you know. Billy Cotton had a a flat there and Sam Joseph, the... A uh, rare book dealer in Charing Cross Road had a flat there, and they didn't like any noise after 12 o'clock. So at 12 o'clock, on the button, we finished, and that's all we had to say. Anyway, they closed the club. I think it was high-class um, ladies of the night. I think that's what it was all about. formed his band, the Klansmen, right after the Stompers finished. And it was Alex Dalgleish on trumpet, the rhythm section from the Stompers, and uh, for his brother John Cairns, myself. Jake Murray, who recently died, um, great singer, great singer. And uh, Forry and Clarnet. And we just had... You know, it was a, it was a great band, and one of the first gigs we got was accompanying Armstrong on in a concert in the north of England. Wow! You know, which was awesome. You know, I mean, it really was. It was we were a brand new band, and they'd heard uh, the tapes down in London and said, "Oh yeah, this band will do." And uh, we it was we were so excited. Yeah. I can remember, you know, how old were you then? Uh, then I was. 22, and uh, absolutely, you know, I mean, we were so excited. There were, there was very few, in Scotland, multiracial people then, mm. you know, so you didn't see people of a different skin colour very often. And, of course, when we got, it was Bridlington, I think, we were doing it in. I think it was Bridlington, and uh, it was a huge, huge concert hall. And I remember um, outside we were eating before we went for the rehearsal and we were sitting in this cafe and we kept watching the window to see if any different coloured person passed the window. And everybody was saying, do you think that's one of them? Do you think that's one of them? We didn't know who was in the band, you know. Anyway, this guy came in, and a big tall guy and a really crackly, wrinkly face and... uh, he came in and 
he, he looked round and we sort of looked at him expectantly, you know, I wonder who he is. And he said, is the food good? And we said, yeah, do you want to sit down? And there was eight of us, you know. So he sat down with us. It turned out it was Trommy Young, the trombone player. And uh, I can remember he said, he looked at Tucker Finless and our bass player who later played with Acker all these years. Um, Tucker was sitting at the table and he looked, he was eating and he was stuffing his food and watching this guy. And the guy said, hey, you're eating so fast, you look as if you're laughing. <laughs> and of course we all <laughs> fell about. And that was our first introduction to anyone in the Armstrong band. It was just a great concert. It was a great concert. And uh, halfway through, I saw two guys standing at the side of the stage. You know, it was big stage. So it was in the, in the wings, definitely in the wings. And there were big hats on, big black hats and long black coats and very smart looking and uh, really black in colour. And I thought, oh, who, who's that? Who, who, who that is? And when I came off after doing my first bit, the one of them came up to me and he said, I'm the doc. He said, uh, Pops wants to see you in the dressing room at the interval. And I thought, oh, gosh, I wonder if I've Oh, maybe sung one of the songs he was going to do. I should have checked. <laughs> anyway, so I was taken down to the dressing room, which was under the whole of the hall. It was a, the full length, yeah. and it had lights all the way down. And there was this in the corner. There was the, the mirror with the lights all around it, the stage lights. And this wee man sitting in the corner with his feet in a bucket of water and he had he had the hanky on his head with the four knots in it and I thought this is this is real and I I sort of walked up and he he, I'm standing there and he said "Ah, I just wanted to see who was singing up a expletive he said I said he was uh, singing up a storm but he didn't say that and it was the first time anybody had ever sworn in front of me because I then didn't swear you know I was a good girl and I I thought I went away thinking, you know, he thinks I'm awful, you know. (laughs) But he said, where are you from? And I said, Port and Cable. (laughs) And he says, where's that? (laughs) And I said, the other side of, in Scotland, on the West Coast. And he said, nobody from Scotland should sound like that. Mm. <laughs> but it was, he was lovely, yeah. and he was a lovely man. We had we went back, stayed at the same hotel, and we all had meals together and had breakfast together, and all I kept asking about was Billie Holiday. I kept asking for the all-newer, and I wanted to know more yeah. about her. And, oh, but they were just lovely, and he was just a delightful man, yeah. you know. Delightful man. Oh, what an experience. Yeah, it was great. I've got a right to sing the blues. I've got a right to moan and sigh. I've got a right to sit and cry.
This episode featured the song I've Got a Right to Sing the Blues from Fiona Duncan's CD, The Savar Sessions. You can hear more tracks by Fiona Duncan at www.soundcloud.com forward slash Fiona Duncan. Singer to Singer is a Sophie Bancroft production. Visit www.sophiebancroft.co.uk for more information.